You are listening to the Wool Academy podcast. This is episode number 36. Hello and welcome. My name is Elizabeth van Delden and once a week we talk to an industry expert from the wool industry supply chain from farm to fashion and beyond, delivering strategies and insights to be successful in wool and showcasing those beautiful stories wool has to tell. My Wool Academy guest today is Dave Maslin. Dave is the Global Partnerships Manager at the New Zealand Merino Company, in short, NZM. I will ask Dave in a minute to explain to us exactly what his responsibilities are as Global Partnerships Manager. Dave has a background in environmental science and sustainable land management and is engaged globally with a broad range of agencies focused on sustainability. Welcome, Dave. Thank you for being on the show today. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to talking about what we do here. Yeah, that's great. And yeah, as I just um, said, uh, you are the Global Partnerships Manager and you did give me beforehand a short summary of your job description, but it was so compact and dense of so many responsibilities that I thought instead of me reading to our listeners today, it's best that you really tell us what you do and also tell us a little bit more about yourself and then also introduce NZ Marina to us. Perfect. So, so as, as you said, my name is Dave Maslin. I, um, I work at the New Zealand Marino Company. I've been in this role now for um, nearly 11 years. Um, my role started out in research and development and running um, R&D programs uh, within the company and I've, I've moved now more into a sales and marketing role. Um, so, so my day-to-day -day responsibility is for the um, development of relationships and partnerships at all stages of the supply chain um, with all of our wool partners. So that's everybody from uh, end retail brands that are using New Zealand wool uh, right through to supply chain partners, spinners, top makers and so forth that are, that are processing our wool um, and, and also with our, with our growers in New Zealand that are producing it. Um, I also uh, manage our ZQ accreditation program, um, which I'll talk a little bit more about later on. Um, and with a background in sustainability, I still also um, manage a lot of the research and development and validation projects that we that we have here to try and, uh, I think, establish the um, the platforms of integrity that sit behind. Um, Uh, our, our, our wool program. So, so that's what I do. Um, the New Zealand Merino Company as, as a business, um, we're based obviously here in New Zealand. We've been operating um, as a commercial entity now for around 21 years. Um, we've got a slightly different model to uh, many of the other um, uh, wool brokers and, and uh, so forth in the industry. We work directly with end retail brands um, and supply chains and link them through to growers through uh, long-term forward contracts. Um, and the way that we do that um, is all about developing a, a long-term relationship and partnership between all stages of the value chain um, and then negotiating um, commercial relationships that are going to be sustainable for everybody. And there's a whole range of tools that we have in our toolkit to, to do that. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what we do, and that's the New Zealand Marina Company, and it's great to, great to be on the show today. <laughs> okay, thank you for this very um, quick introduction. So, in other words, NZ Marino is like a broker, but with a twist to it. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a, a good description. So <laughs> okay. we, we 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 have we have the traditional functions of a broker. Um, however, rather than just uh, transacting the wool 
via an auction, um, we, we tend to build long-term partnerships through the value chain and then support those brands to be successful because the more successful those brands are, the more wool they're going to need to buy. So that's how, that's how our model works. Okay, great. And from your job description, I can imagine that each day doesn't have enough hours um, for you. <laughs> so, sometimes it feels like days are quite short, yeah. but... Um, <laughs> Uh, but I'm very lucky. We've got a we've got a small team here at New Zealand Merino. There's around um, 45 of us, uh, and we all work very collaboratively. So uh, I've got a lot of support um, and, a, and a very good team in behind me to, um, to to make sure that we're able to deliver to what we need to do. And from what you said, I understand that you actually have is it? Would you say you have two different customer types at NZ Merino, or who are exactly your your customers then? <laughs> Yeah, we, we probably have uh, three different customer types. So, so the first are our growers, um, uh, whose wool we, we transact and, and sell on their behalf. Um, so they're a really critical um, part of our business, obviously, and, and without their wool, we can't, we can't be in trade. Um, we work with supply chains as well. So that's all stages of the supply chain. We've got uh, top makers, spinners, fabric manufacturers, all of whom are, are customers of ours. And then we also work with the, uh, with the end retail brands, so brands like Icebreaker, Smartwool, um, Ibex, Raider, um, they're all, uh, John Smedley's another one, they're, they're all um, brand partners that we work with and we um, have done for many, many years. Okay, great. Thanks for clarifying that. And how, actually, yeah, what are the different income streams that ends at Marino would, would typically have? Yeah, so we're... We're a, we're a commercial entity, so we've got we've got multiple income streams. Um, but essentially, our growers make an investment in marketing and R and D um, to to better position um, their wool, uh, and we take that and uh, we allocate that to, uh, to to developing these partnerships that that hopefully uh, result in, in long term sustainable contracts for them. So that's the main way that we um, we make money. But there's multiple streams, just like every other commercial company. Yes, you have to stand on multiple legs nowadays, don't you? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And maybe summarise for us a little bit, why should farmers or also why should brands work with you at NZM? So, so for a grower, um, our growers made a conscious decision um, over 20 years ago that, that they needed to take far more, um, I guess, ownership of their destiny and and they recognised the need for them to be investing directly in their in their future. Um, to, to, to develop markets that requires investment both in marketing and relationship building but also in research and development. And so uh, so our growers, they, they established the New Zealand Marina companies to go out and do that, basically to take their wool to the world um, and to tell their story in a, in a really unique way and to d differentiate their product. And, and that's what we've been able to do. So, so growers, um, they invest in us. They see... So, so what, what growers get by working through us is, I guess, access to these long-term brands and supply chain partnerships that we've established. Um, and through that, they get access to long-term forward contracts. So we've got some contracts now that extend out three years or five years, um, giving them absolute clarity of how much they're going to get paid um, for their wool every season. From a, from a brand's perspective, why would they work with New Zealand Merino? Um, there's dozens and dozens of different reasons, but fundamentally, um, the way our business is modelled and designed, it's it's for us as a team at New Zealand Merino to every day be delivering 
benefit to a brand in terms of their sales margin and reputation. And, and, and if we can't demonstrate how we're going to help a brand sell more product um, at a better margin uh, while also protecting their reputation, then we don't really have anything to negotiate with when it comes to to trying to establish a long-term forward contract. So brands that are in, in, uh, are purchasing the wool through the New Zealand Merino Company, they, they're basically getting um, a suite of, of marketing, R&D and storytelling assets that we that we have and that we curate here at New Zealand Merino. Um, but they're also um, sourcing wool that they know have been um, produced according to a, a set of, of on-farm standards as well. So we run, a, we run an on-farm accreditation process. And that maybe leads us already to the question where you you mentioned also already earlier that you were going to talk about your ZQ Merino brand is that correct yeah. how I said so maybe tell us a little bit more about that because I think that's closely to related to working with the brands isn't it absolutely so so the ZQ Merino program is, is something that we developed in 2005 2006 um, it's an on-farm standard that all of our growers uh, that are certified and that sell through the ZQ program have to adhere to. Um, and so what it guarantees is that uh, that farms meet some specific standards around animal welfare, environmental integrity, social responsibility, um, fibre quality tra and traceability. Also involved in ZQ is a, an on-farm research and development program that we run, which is all around um, how to improve practice over time, both in terms of farm productivity and profitability, but also how they produce the produce the livestock in the most sustainable and animal-friendly way possible. Um, so, so that program there is a it's, a, it's an accreditation standard. It's audited by um, by a third party, um, and all growers, every grower, has to be uh, accredited to that. Uh, in order to do that to that standard to be able to supply the program. And if I understand correctly, for the moment you focus mainly on apparel, or do you also um, work with brands in the area of interiors? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So we we are the New Zealand Merino Company, which um, implies a focus on merino wool, and that certainly has been the case up until around two years ago. Uh, we've recently branched out, and we're now transacting wool of all microns. So we have um, significant volumes of wool going into interior textiles, um, carpeting, uh, rugs, and uh, upholstery. Uh, we've even got a, a couple of footwear companies that we work with who are making indoor shoes um, and, uh, and and using final wool, using uh, making um, making shoes brand called Allbirds. So, yeah, so we we supply wool now from around 11 and a half micron right through to over 40 micron um, in, in diameter, and those uh, those are all able to be sourced through the ZQ standard as well. Um, so with that same same platform of integrity. Okay, thanks. That I didn't even know. So good. That I always learn something new um, in these <laughs> interviews as well. And another word that you mentioned a few times um, is sustainability. And also on the show, we already had a few guests on the topic of life cycle assessment. And I know that you are also involved in some research in this area. I think you're also a member of the IWTO life cycle assessment technical um, what is it, TAG? Uh, what is the Yeah, thing? the te te technical okay. advisory, advisory group. Advisory group, there we go. <laughs> yeah. um, so maybe tell us first a little bit, what is the motivation for NZM to be involved in this LCA research? And then later yeah, so we can talk about the research you actually did. <laughs> yeah, no problem. So one of the key... Um, one of the, one of the key... Um, 
services that we provide to our brand partners is making certain that they're able to um, be really at the forefront of communicating um, all aspects of their product from a sustainability perspective or, or otherwise. Um, around 2006, 2007, we undertook our first uh, piece of, of life cycle assessment research. Um, and since then, we've done uh, four more. So by way of background, um, one of one of the challenges with sustainability is, is that it's such a broad and complicated um, concept. It's very, very difficult to um, to quantify sustainability in any really meaningful way. One of the tools um, that are available to us to do that is a, a process called life cycle assessment. Um, and basically what life cycle assessment does is it accounts for the environmental impacts of a product at every stage of its um, life cycle. So if we take a woolen sweater, for example, um, the environmental impact of the farming of the wool, the scouring of the wool, the spinning, uh, the combing, sorry, the spinning, uh, the knitting, uh, the manufacture of the garment itself, and then right through to uh, to the use phase and, and disposal. So we, we, we worked alongside some industry partners partners um, in 2006 initially and then again in 2000 and uh, around 2011 um, to develop the methodologies for doing LCA for wool apparel. Um, it was a really interesting piece of work and, and it, to be perfectly honest, it probably raised more questions than it answered around how LCA is, is undertaken. So um, following on from that, I, I got engaged with the um, IWTO Sustainable Practices Working Group um, who also had a focus on LCA and we started looking at how we might be able to refine um, refine that methodology into a into a model and a system that, that really worked more appropriately for wool. Um, since then uh, we've done a, a huge amount of work, we've, we've uh, completed another LCA and we've actually just uh, in the last week um, here um, initiated another, another small project um, and the purpose of this is so that we have a really robust set of data that we can then share with the broader um, with the broader global textile industry to make certain that wool's being accounted for appropriately when it comes to sustainability. I mentioned earlier on that it's really hard to quantify sustainability. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of other fibres and a lot of other fabrics and a lot of other manufacturers out there that, that through the natural laws of competition, want to do comparisons. Um, and we're saying, well, that's absolutely fine, but it's really important if we're doing a comparison that we're all working off a similar set of data, or at least we're collecting that data in the same way, making certain that the playing field is level, if you like. And so the focus of the IWTO Sustainable Practices Working Group and the technical advisor group within that is making certain that if wool is going to be sharing data, it's been collected in a way that's consistent with um, industry best practice, um, that it's reflective of the entire industry. So, for example, having a look at wool that's produced in New Zealand versus South Africa, Australia, Argentina, Uruguay or, or, or elsewhere, um, and then putting that through a really consistent methodology to make certain that um, that we're able to, to deliver um, high quality high quality research. So, so LCA it's a really complicated um, tool, and and it's by no means um, it's by no means perfect. But it's it's one of the only tools we've got. Interestingly, um, beyond LCA, we've also been doing a lot of research looking at other aspects of sustainability here in New Zealand, and particularly focused around. Um, around farming systems. So we've, we've done work looking at water quality. Uh, we've had a look at 
the impact of merino sheep grazing on high country biodiversity. So basically what impact does sheep farming have on, um, on the flora and fauna um, of the farms um, that supply the wool? And all of that provides us with data points that we can then use to help better articulate um, the impact that we're having on the planet as a result of our, of our industry. Um, and then there's another project that we did recently um, that uh, that also sort of speaks a little bit to broader and longer term sustainability, and that's around biodegradation. And we all know that wool biodegrades, but for us to be able to tell a, a, a positive story about that, we really need to um, have a clear understanding about um, how fast it biodegrades, uh, what happens to the chemicals and so forth that are associated with w the wool as it's biodegrading and so on. So. Uh, my colleagues and, and I did a project uh, a couple of years ago where we looked at biodegrading wool samples. We measured the rate and mode of biodegradation uh, and we also measured the impact of that biodegradation on the receiving soil. Um, and it was, it was a fascinating piece of work that showed that, um, that wool biodegraded very, very rapidly. We've had, we've had really good consumer feedback from that. Um, when we did the work, it was perhaps a little before its time, um, but certainly in the last 18 months, people have started to realise that actually um, the legacy that we leave on the planet as a result of our, our um, apparel purchase decisions um, is really quite significant. And, and I guess the impact it has through its life cycle. And then by doing these additional sustainability-based projects, it helps us to reinforce the stories that we're sharing with our brands to help them to be able to give their customers reassurance, if that makes sense. Oh, okay. yeah, that makes perfect sense. But there was so much uh, information in in your answer. So let me uh, try to dig a little bit deeper. So first of all, I would really like to know, because when I was working at IWTO, we did have a few questions coming in really asking, okay, how long does it really take for a wool, let's say, shirt or sweater to biodegrade? So do you have an answer for that? Yeah, it, it depends a little bit um, on the fabric on the fabric um, and the garment itself and, and also on the, on, the, uh, on the environment. So, for example, soil temperature, soil moisture, um, they all have a, a significant impact. In our trial, what we showed was that um, in excess of 90% of the garment um, had been biodegraded within nine months of being buried um, and the only areas that were left um, after that period were um, areas in the seams uh, where there's a double thickness of wool um, and so therefore less ability for the uh, soil microbes to, to infiltrate um, and then any synthetic threads um, and labels that, that the garment might have had, they, they were still available. But within nine to 12 months, the garment should be almost 100% biodegraded. And that was for a single jersey knit, um, uh, long sleeve, long sleeve tee. Okay, so and I, I, if I understand correctly, the like moisture and, and warm temperatures are probably ideal for biodegrading. Is that so? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, it's, it's a, basically, it's a decomposition process that's that's um, driven by um, by uh, soil bacteria and fungi, um, and those soil bacteria and fungi, like everything else, need a need a, uh, a hospitable environment or a habitat for them to live in. So, um, depending on on what type they are, they might need more or less water or more or less uh, heat. But um, that that's why it can be variable depending upon depending upon climate and so forth. Okay, but our t-shirt will not biodegrade in our closet. I think that's also important. <laughs> I think sometimes then people think the opposite um, that a wool sweater might biodegrade too quickly, but 
I don't think that would be the case. <laughs> no, you've, you've, you've got to provide the perfect conditions yeah. for it to biodegrade. Exactly. But when, it, when you provide those, it will absolutely. <laughs> and then another area you mentioned in the beginning is that you did the life cycle or several life cycle assessment studies. And I, what I remember in particular um, also from meeting you at several conferences is that you were in this unique position because we have the supply chain set up um, from farm up to consumer level is that you were actually really able to follow one i think one was a t-shirt and one was a wool um, socks on what is actually their environmental impact also their their use impact so can you maybe talk a little bit about that particular research yeah so that was that was one of the studies we did um, in 2014 uh, where we followed a pair of socks and a, a t-shirt from the farm all the way through the supply chain. Um, but what was really interesting about that project was we um, we had a look at uh, the relative impacts of selling that garment, those garments in either European or American markets, uh, whether we sold them uh, via online or uh, bricks and mortar retail. Um, And that was all very, very interesting and showed us showed us some slight differences between them. But what was most fascinating was um, around the use phase. And the work we did there was initially we just used um, data that had come out of the cotton industry uh, in terms of how people use their products. Um, and that gave us a useful answer. But when we, we did some um, consumer survey work, we surveyed uh, around um, 3,000 um, users of products about how they actually use their products, so how often they wash them um, and how often they wear them and how long they last for. It showed us that actually the story with wool is very, very positive because you wash it less often. And if you wash it less often, you use a lot less energy and you use a lot less water. We also found that the garments um, tend to last a long time, which means that um, people buy less of them um, by comparison to, for example, a, a cotton or a, or a polyester um, product. And so there's some really significant gains that wool can make by comparison to other products just because of the way that the product is designed, the way that it um, performs, the way that it doesn't um, retain odour, um, the fact that you can you can um, uh, uh, wash it less frequently and, and so forth. So that was a really valuable piece of work and, and that's been used to inform some of our brand partners' storytelling within their own um, within their own brands. But importantly, it's been also used within the IWTO context as they engage with organisations like the Sustainable Apparel Coalition um, and, and Made By, who are all trying to develop, um, I guess, a, 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 an industry scoring system for um, for other for other textiles. So yeah, it was a, it was a good piece of work. Okay, thanks for um, explaining that in more detail. And another follow-up question, because we always find that everyone working in wool is so passionate, but how did you find the consumers to be? Are they also really passionate about wool? Yeah, they absolutely are. And, and what we find is that um, people, once they know about wool, they'll, ne they'll never go back. Sometimes um, I think we're still, we're still um, confronted by the perception that wool is itchy and too hot and so forth. Um, and so so that can be a little bit of a challenge, but certainly the brands that we're working with and the experience that those brands are giving their consumers um, has been to, to show that if, if, if you engage a consumer with a really top quality product and give them a really amazing experience, 
they'll be advocates of wool for life. Um, and so we're really, um, we're really aware of this. When we look at the brands that we work with and the brands that we um, are willing to share our ZQ brand with, uh, we make certain that those brands are brands that are going to give consumers a really good experience um, and a consistent experience. Um, because as I say, um, once you go wool, you'll never go back. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's all about that initial, initial try. Yeah, I always find that amazing how, yeah, how once you wear wool, you you really enjoy it. So well, yeah, it's a it's a good point. One of our one of our customers um, is a is a, a shoe company uh, called Allbirds in San Francisco, and you know he made the comment that wool is having a moment at the moment, um, and what that means is that wool is is really front of mind for a lot of consumers. We're finding a lot of consumers globally are are, are really looking for products that. Um, um, that are real. Now, before we come to a close, I want to ask you one more question. So, as you you've been in the industry for a very long time, you travel a lot. So, share with us your most favorite experience that you had when working in the wool industry. Could be a trip <laughs> or I don't know a particular moment. Gosh, I, there's there's so many. Um, do you know one of the one of the real highlights for me is. Um, Uh, when I work with some of our retail brand partners and they're engaging with either new customers or their sales teams. So uh, I quite regularly travel to North America and to Europe um, with the sole focus of providing a, um, I guess, a, a connection back to New Zealand to, to some of our brand partners, consumers, and you know, talking, uh, talking to groups of people that have never, never set foot on a, on a high country merino property before, um, that have never... You know, seen a merino sheep, um, and and really don't understand how wool is even produced, and being able to share our story about what we do here in New Zealand, um, and bring that to life for them um, is is really satisfying. And more importantly, going into their store, and this happened um, about 18 months ago, going into their store and hearing these salespeople retelling that story to customers um, it was a real light bulb moment for me. If, if we can really engage emotionally with with the people that are representing our product um, our wool um, with the people that are buying it then I think we've done a, a you know made it made a great step to the long-term um, viability and sustainability of our of our product so so that was one of the highlights there's, there's dozens of others um, as well it's, it's a very privileged um, position that I have and that I work with some of the leading um, brands in the world um, and and some of the most discerning consumers as well and Uh, and so that the highlights come fairly thick and thick and fast. Uh, another highlight of mine, um, while, I, while, I, while I'm thinking of it, is also working with our with our growers and you know being able to come back and share with them um, that hey we've we've just identified this new brand. They're going to be buying ZQ Wool. They want to lock in a three year forward contract with you, and seeing what that means to them as a family and as a business, knowing that their income. Uh, is secure for the foreseeable future is is really quite amazing. It's it's not just about a commercial relationship. It's actually something far more um, significant than that. It's about it's about families that are farming and their ability to continue farming and to pass that farm on to um, onto their children and their children's children. And and to me to be part of that and to be part of um, I guess enabling that is is why I get up in the morning and why I come to work every day. So yeah. There's a couple. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. And I think what is what you also do quite a lot is actually bring the brand partners onto your 
uh, growers' farms so that they also have this first-hand experience and actually that they meet up and, and can talk and exchange. Um, absolutely. They absolutely they do. And, I mean, the, the, the fundamental premise to our business is about relationships. And, um, you know, we've got, we've got um, presidents and CEOs of some of the biggest names in, in apparel that have a personal relationship with individual farmers here in New Zealand. They know each other on first name terms. They've brought their children to New Zealand um, on holidays. Our growers have taken their children on holidays um, into, into 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 their countries. And you know, to, to see to see these brands develop um, and these relationships develop is really quite amazing. And um, as I said, it goes well beyond business. It goes into what a relationship is all about, and that is mutual respect, uh, mutual understanding. Um, and and care um, for for each other. So um, that's that's to me, uh, you know, the the epitome of success. Well, that's a good um, way of ending our interview. Now you've uh, provided so much information, but can where can our listeners find out more about NZ or New Zealand Merino, um, and find out more about your work? Yeah, so the, the best way to um, to find out more about us would be to check our website. We're um, www.zqmerino.com. Um, so that's Z-Q-M-E-R-I-N-O.com. Um, and uh, on there, you'll, you'll find a lot about uh, ZQ, a lot about the New Zealand Merino Company uh, and a list of contacts there. And I'm, I'm fairly certain my name's there somewhere as well. So more than happy to, uh, to take any questions from people um, Uh, at any time so great yeah. and i think you also have a fact sheet um about that people can access i think i will yeah, also absolutely. link to that in the show notes um where people can learn a little bit more about wool etc absolutely so that's all on our website um and there's some downloadable links there that you can take a look at uh just to learn more about what we do yeah no for sure there's lots of information lots of fact sheets lots of things you can learn from the Uh, yeah, the Q Marino website. So I will make sure to link to that. Thank you, Dave, so much uh, for your time today. Uh, you provided so much valuable content and information. I appreciate that. My, my pleasure, Lisa, anytime. <laughs> Great. And then, yeah, now it's still very early here in Europe, but it's time for you to head home. I wish you a good um, evening and thanks for your time and all the best for all the work that you're doing. No worries at all, Lisa. Anytime. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this discussion with Dave Maslin from the New Zealand Merino Company. I definitely learned a lot today. I loved all the research that Dave was talking about. If you want to find out more about the work Dave mentioned, you can find all the links in the show notes of today's episode at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 036 visit elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 036. Also, if we're not yet connected on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn or Instagram, I would love to hear from you there as well. Thanks for listening today and I look forward to catching up with you again next week. Bye for now.